Welcome to Storytelling with Data, the podcast where listeners around the world learn to be better storytellers and presenters with best-selling author, speaker, and workshop guru, Cole Nussbaumer Nafflick. We'll cover a wide range of topics that will help you effectively show and tell your data stories. So get ready to separate yourself from the mess of 3D exploding pie charts and deliver knockout presentations. And with that, here's Cole. Hi, this is Cole, and I am so excited to be sitting here today, actually in this strange backstage room uh, at the Tableau conference. And here with me, I have Andy Cotgreave, Jeff Schaefer, and Steve Wexler, who was actually just inaugurated into the Tableau Zen Master Hall of Fame. Congrats, Steve. And welcome, guys. Hello, Cole. As I mentioned, we're at Tableau. There's a lot of energy here for folks who aren't able to be here and experience it, or for those who may be listening back later, what's this like? What are some observations you each want to share with those who are listening? How could you describe this crazy thing? There's 18,000 attendees here. The keynote production level has gone up a crazy level again this year. This is my 10th conference. Wow. Uh, Devs on, we've just come from Devs on stage, and you have thousands of data nerds applauding crazy little features in a desktop product. It's amazing. That was one of the things for me, looking around of seeing this stadium of like, I don't know, 10, 12, 15,000 people just in awe watching new things that mm -hmm. are happening in the tool and yeah. people doing things live on stage with data sets, which is, yeah, fascinating. Love it. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, so my first conference was 2014, I think, in Seattle. So it was already pretty big. We tapped out the Seattle uh, Convention Center at that point. So it was already at a good production level, but it's, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. It's always exciting to see. I think the devs on stage is one of the most exciting because people who use the tool all day suffer with these little problems that, you know, it, whatever tool you're using, there's always some little thing that you have to do gyrations to solve. And so I think the excitement around, you know, dynamic parameters today was one. It's just, it's such a little thing, but you deal with that problem day in and day out and you have to come up with these solutions to fix it. So I think that that was driving the energy today. That yeah. was exciting to see. Yeah, with actual cheering, right? Yeah, and when yeah, some yeah. of these features and, are released. And standing, yeah. Standing yeah. Standing yeah. yeah. For features, right? yeah. Awesome, Steve. Um, I was at the first Tableau conference. This is now- What two, year was that? That was 2008. Okay. You were saying that there were 10, 12, 15, Andy, you said something, 18,000 attendees at this thing, 187 people. I, I think they had, in, they had it in a Denny's. Uh, <laughs> they didn't, but it was but at the Edgewater, wasn't they, it? They, they, it was at the Edgewater. Okay. Um, Stephen Few was the keynote uh, opening keynote presenter, and Christian Chabot, who was the CEO at the time, said, "You know, three four years from now, I bet you we, we're going to have this at the convention center." And they, in fact, did in Seattle. Yep. And then they got too big to have it at the convention center in Seattle. So I've seen this incredible growth, but always the passion and excitement of, and I can't beat the mission statement that Tableau has. When people ask me, well, what, what does you do in data visualization? I cannot come up with anything better than I help people see and understand data. Yeah, I was trying to figure out because, so this is my second Tableau conference. I was at one that was somewhere in between the first one at the Edgewater and the convention center one, because it was in Seattle, but it was at a hotel and it was a few hundred people. Gar Reynolds was the one of the keynotes, mm -hmm. but Stephen Few, I think was there. That might, that was, might that have been. 2010. 2010, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's that the one I missed. That was uh, one of my first. 
And I sat down for dinner. They had a customer speaker dinner because I was a customer then. And they sat me down for the reception, the thank you dinner with, and I was sat next to Stephen Few and Gar Reynolds. Oh my goodness. And it was like, that moment, whoever chose to sit me there kind of changed the career, right? Because I just got this incredible presenter and an incredible expert in the field and my mind was blown. Amazing. And here I am, uh, eight years, nine years later, still loving it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'd love if the three of you, and you've done a lot of collaborating, so I think we can make this work, even though we've got uh, multiple people here. But if you could together tell me a story, the story of how the big book of dashboards came to be. And I'd love if you can, not to make things too challenging, but weave in some of your background as well in how did you get into this space? You know, when did you start visualizing data? When did you get into dashboarding? How did you come together to do this project? Any volunteers to kick us off? Oh, and uh, I just have to put that into words because other people can't see this. Both Andy and Jeff pointed immediately at Steve Wexler. It all starts with Steve. <laughs> the, 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 so, so yes, this was my idea, but the best idea I had about it was realizing I should not write the book myself. Uh, it will be a much better book if I get colleagues to help me with it. So two really smart things but I've done was I got... Um, I didn't feel that I had the depth and breadth to handle this well, or handle it well enough. And boy, was I right, because having a different perspective, having Andy and Jeff push back at, on everything, as I did with them, um, and constantly rethinking my assumptions or the stuff, this is clear to me, I see it, and they're saying, well, no, maybe it's not as clear. Yep. And it's changed my complete view about how you know, dashboard creation, stakeholder involvement. Um, and the reason it worked, and Jeff and Andy have heard me use the, this metaphor so many times, I'm sorry to repeat it in front of them, but there, it, it wasn't like a band is breaking up because, you know, we're having, you know, artistic differences. Um, it, it was never about making art or going in different directions. We were always seeking clarity. So the term I use is uh, provide the greatest degree of understanding with the least amount of effort. Uh, and we were always sinking that. There was never any disagreement about that. And oh, my own work is so much better because of it. And now mm -hmm. I, I know that, that you know, Jeff will often ask me to look at something before he's publishing things. I will do the same thing. And they'll give me pushback and say, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Uh, Etc. So in in this case for this book, oh my gosh, it was such a good move to um, to reach out. Um, and backing up a little bit more, what was your background getting you to the point where you wanted to write the book? In the the, first place? the um, I, I well, I'm not going to go back to you know original background. I'm a, I'm a musician, and I don't know anyone that like started in who is in this field now that started out with you know I think I want to do data visualization. Most of us kind it didn't exist <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was noticing a need for it, that I was doing lots of, 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 of Tableau training classes at the time, and people would come up with, hey, the class was great, or I'd like to think that's what they were saying. Yeah. What year um, was this, would you estimate? Um, 2013, 2014. But I've got this particular data set or this particular situation or predicament. I don't know what to do with it. And then there was one particular client that I uh, was meeting with, and they had something, and they said, it's taking three people three weeks working full time to produce this monthly slide deck with 500 slides in it. Um, of, um, and if we did this in Tableau, 
could we, you know, do it faster? You know, and, and you know, could we do it, get it done in less time? And I said, yes, you could get it done in way less time, but are you open to, you know, changing the visualizations? Because you do way better than this. He said, what do you mean? Isn't this great? And it was like... And this was a regular recurring It, it was a recurring, you know, it was like a balanced scorecard thing with okay. red, yellow, and green. Just awesome. trellised red, yellow, and green all over the place. And I said, yeah, you can do better than this. And, and, and I wrote this paper kind of describing, here's what's wrong with this. Here's what's lacking. Here are the problems. Here's what could be better about it and, and showed all these alternative visualizations, why they were better, why they made sense. The client loved it. They said, oh my God, this is great. Their client didn't and said, mm. no, we just want it to be the same way we've always had it. Just make it come out faster. And that became the impetus for the book, which was, oh, if you have this situation or something like this, here's what's wrong with it. And here are some alternative ways to show that. So to help the client convince their client as part of the it could help the client convince their client but also just show anybody oh this is what you're trying to do here you've, you've probably presented it this way here's why it's lacking mm -hmm. and here's what we're going to offer as an alternative and here's why we think it's stronger look how much easier it is to see this and this oh i can see this comparison versus that comparison much more clearly than what we had before and then it was a question of having a lot of scenarios in the book, and I'm going to pass this over to Jeff in a minute, um, who had originally, we were going to come up with all the dashboards and mm -hmm. all the scenarios. It was going to be us doing this. And also, originally, it was going to be myself, Kelly Martin, and Jeff. And Kelly ended up getting this huge you know, a gig and you know, couldn't work on it. Jeff and I agreed that we wanted a third author. Um, and we had to recruit Andy like mad. He initially said no. Backstage <laughs> at a Tableau conference in a, in area, in a very room much like this. In a room like this one. <laughs> and oh, we did had, the hard and, sell. And huh? we had to really, you know, I think he initially said yes, and then he said no. And then I said, do you want to be known as the Dick Rowe of data visualization? That was the MGM in 2015, at the conference in 2015. And uh, when, it, when I was at the University of Oxford, Ted, uh, yeah, in fact, it's November, it's mid-November. I downloaded Tableau 12 years ago tomorrow, right? That, that was the start. I was building dashboards in Excel and boof, Tableau. Uh, four years later, I was going to. I was like, should I join Tableau or be a consultant? And I wrote down a list with um, Mel Stevenson, who was running um, consultancy in the UK. And it was like, if I did something with Tableau, what would I do? And then I wrote a list of 10 things. Number two on the list was write a book. This was back in 2010, right? Uh, and I was just looking for the right time and the right opportunity. And yeah, it came up, it was at 2015, is this the book I wanna do? And I can't remember why I said no. You were, you were, you, the, 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 back, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, back on the Tableau side, did the, the role, cause you're in a very unique role at Tableau. Sure. Did that exist or did you no. talk them into that would be the right role for no, you? So, uh, <laughs> because it fits so perfect. I, so my role at Tableau is now evangelist. They pay me to be enthusiastic about our mission, right? That's essentially my job. I joined as a pre-sales consultant and do a bit of marketing as well. And I joined, the, they hired me because I was just active in the community and coming up with crazy creative ideas and just gushing my excitement about yep. uh, the product and the field. Um, and, you know, I had this list and it's right, you know, I, can I achieve these, that list with Tableau or using Tableau as an external consultant. And I chose a path to do it with Tableau and it's been eight years of incredible fun, right? Uh, yeah, so the 
the top, the list of 10 things, the book was, there were only two things left to do when I- That you hadn't should, already done in I hadn't your role already at done Tableau. in the top 10, so. What was the other one? The first thing on the list, the first thing I wrote down was appear on more or less the BBC Radio 4 mm. program about numbers in the news, right? It's uh, hosted by Tim Harford, uh, the undercover economist at the Financial Times. And I have not yet appeared on more or less. I know him quite well. And despite all attempts, I've still only done nine of the 10 things. I can't the believe Jeff and I have appeared on that like four <laughs> the, the thing is, what I know with Alberto, Alberto's new book, he's got, he's got Tim's quote on the back of his book. I think he's going to get on it. Uh, before me, so I'm like, yeah, well, I will say, as a case in point, I tried for many years to get a speaker slot at the Tableau conference, uh, which this year finally paid. So keep at we, it. Keep yeah, yeah, I'm keeping going. I might just start a new list, but anyway. But but to 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 loop that back, it 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 took me the five six years to think right. This is the opportunity, and uh, yeah, I remember shaking hands in a room like the one we're sitting in today, and it was amazing. What an incredible process. It was really good. Right. Yeah. We got to jump back to Jeff, though. Yes, I, I came to DataViz very differently. Like Steve, I was a, a former musician, a classically trained trumpet player, and never really envisioned doing anything like this. Uh, but I always had an interest in computers, programming, things like that. So uh, I think I lock picking too. Oh, yeah. sorry, Jeff, I wasn't supposed That's to talk about that. I don't think anybody <laughs> needs to know that still. Do you have a kit in your um, pocket? I don't. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I, I started working in the financial services industry. It happened to be a, a company that was really focused on technology and, and analytics, uh, really kind of moved in that direction really quickly, went back to school to get my MBA. And it was a, it was an early stats professor who was just really, I would say, rigid almost with her graphing you know, requirements. And so uh, that, that was kind of one start. And then I had a, a boss after that, our chief operating officer, who just was very, very specific about what he wanted on a page. Um, looking back on that, definitely not best practices in all those instances, but he was very specific about how to visualize things. And so that got me studying, you know, thinking about, OK, well, he, he really wants this to look a certain way. And so I started reading the literature and studying and, and going to conferences and things like that. Um, sort of stumbled on Tableau in both directions coming from a corporate world, which was interesting, but I also came at it from an academic world. I was I teach data visualization at the University of Cincinnati. And so about that time, had to pick a tool and uh, survey. What year was this, would you say? This is about, uh, this is probably 2011. Um, started looking at that, maybe a little ahead of that at our company. And we were looking at all the tools at the time, ended up on Tableau. And uh, in the university, what really set it apart was Tableau has a really great student. Um, they, they have a Tableau for teaching and they give student licenses. And so that's that's really what kind of set it apart. And so we jumped into that program at the time, have been using it ever since. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I ended up in the, in the Tableau world at the Tableau conference. Um, but and from, how'd you get hooked up with this guy to write a book? Yeah, so <laughs> Steve reached out to me, actually. Um, he was, I, I don't know what our first communication was. But, I know what it was. Um, but You, you were, had published the, your quantified self on Tableau Public. It was one of the feeder competitions for the Iron Viz. Okay. And it was this really, you know, sumptuous piece of work about, and, and showing his background and, and his day-to-day -day life, et cetera. Um, and it was so beautifully done. It was one of the first... And you created a monster with this sand key diagrams, yeah. but it would have, have the slow coming out of a trumpet. 
So I was immediately mm. attracted. Oh my God! Here's this guy doing ridiculously good data viz stuff. Um, can we, we can and he's, this one, right? And he's. Um, 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 uh, and he's a musician. And his background is in music. And also, I was listening. He had a little, you know, bit of himself playing, and he was a beautiful player. And went, oh my gosh, I have to meet this guy. I have to talk to him. And 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 we struck up a friendship and a collaboration. And um, it, it just seemed really logical that this thing would be much better if he were part of it. And and. I've, How did I've, you know that the two of you were aligned when it came to the sort of things that you wanted to? talk about or teach I think that came over time because I you know I think we had studied the same material and read the same books and were speaking the same language yeah. or or we would both be outraged or upset by the same things okay. that yeah. we would see when we would see someone doing this or saying this or we'd we'd see a certain pundit saying something who will rename <laughs> nameless <laughs> and we'll scratch our heads over it but I, I've got to go back you know we, we got derailed at one second there was this huge, well, that's obvious now, but it wasn't to me, um, when Jeff said, you know, instead of the th three of us doing all the dashboards, let's get other people to submit real world, real, you know. Yeah. That's a huge shift, right? Mm -hmm. and, but, what but it, you know, it, went, it just lifted the thing. We and, and the process of vetting these things and then discussing with people, you know, different dashboards. Um, and everyone had had pretty much had to change their dashboards. They said, you know, as you're a result doing, of your feedback, at, you, yeah. you know, that, oh, that no one got through this thing unscathed, you know, without and it, and it was, own. oh, gosh, yeah, our, our own, own uh, especially. So that was a, a, a uh, and I've got to mention, you know, yes, we're all associated with Tableau. The book um, is not a Tableau book. It is. It is. And many tool. of the dashboards are built in other tools, right? Um, some a of them are. Of them. It turns out, you know, we tr we tried hard to get lots of other tools to con uh, yeah. um, uh, people tools to contribute. So there's nothing specific about Tableau. It just ended up that the best ones at the time were were made in Tableau. We'll give a shout out to Financial Times was a web uh, application. The Economist was a web application, and then we have four Dundas dashboards in yeah. there from Dundas Software, and, so and they're superb. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, just in this conversation, there's a few there's a few interesting things that are just general lessons for everybody. First of all, we are talking about collaboration. I think the reason the book worked so well is that it just went through three filters of editing, three, you know, at all time. And one of the, my favorite experiences of working about the book is somehow the three of us had the same mission. And I don't think we ever deviated from what we wanted the book to be. And um, how would you how would you describe that mission? Um, well, to, to bring together, to bring together real world scenarios that we could say, here's a dashboard about rugby, the sport of rugby, you can take the principles of this and apply it to your retail dashboard, right? And that, and but because we had the same mission, it meant we could have absolutely rip roaring arguments along the way about the rights and wrongs, the you know the the color or even the structure of the book. And anytime we had one of those heated conversations, we'd get off the phone, or I would always get off the phone and think that was really good. It was just absolutely invigorating. And uh, I think a part of that is. Steve's a consultant. Jeff's kind of an academic, and I'm, a vet, you know, associated with a vendor, right? So yeah, we so have a really totally diverse group of skills, right? So, you know, any lesson—that's just a lesson for any successful project: collaborate, iterate, and get a diverse set of skills. And I, that just massively changed the what, possibility of the book. What were some of the things that you disagreed about the most? 
Right, okay, to, to answer the question, I don't know if we disagree, well, I can't remember specific ones, I'm sure you will do, but what, one of the things that evolved over the book was, we're going to write each chapter scenario, you know, let's go, here's the dashboard, this is what it does, this is why it works, this is how you can use it. And we were trying to write this narrative, incorporating all three of our opinions about a dashboard, and at some point, we realised, these arguments we are having about this dashboard, about whether that chart should be that type or whether it should be laid out like that that actually became a really interesting moment so at some point we decided okay steve's going to write this chapter about this dashboard but jeff and andy both get to add an addendum which is our commentary on where we disagree or agree with steve in his chapter and it's a clever way of not having to have a unified voice all the time absolutely because it meant we could step back from each other's chapters it's like right jeff write write the chapter and I'm going to do it. And then there's one chapter where we end up almost with a back and forth, mm-hmm. like thread of conversation between us. You know, and in hindsight, kind of wish we'd done a little bit more of that yeah. in the book. But I think you, hindsight's great, right? Uh, I but, wish we would have recorded more of those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're trying to continue that. It, 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 um, Jeff and I are doing this, um, I don't know, eight, ten times a year, do, do this 45-minute li- oh, no, okay. live stream called Chart Chat. Yes. Oh, okay. And so, yes. where we just kind of discuss different data visualization topics and we banter about it as and trying to capture the uh, discussions that we had. Um, and, and Steve, Jeff, either of you remember any of the big disagreements, what they were about? I, I think one of the we use this in our, our workshops as well. One of the, the, the best scenarios is the churn dashboard. And, and I, I don't know if it was just disagreement. It was I, it felt more like iterating. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't say we were necessarily disagreeing, but uh, Steve himself went through iteration after iteration to try to show this. By the way, it still has even one more Klaus Schulte uh, uh, oh, that, yeah, recently, uh, yeah. recently and said, oh, my gosh, what a great technique. Let's, let's now bring this up a, an additional level. Klaus is a, a fellow Tableau Zen master and is just ridiculously. He did another another take on the he, dashboard. He, he did, we worked together on something. Ah, I cool. saw a technique that he had pioneered and well, that was more great. just the, te- the, the technique. I, right. I don't know that that applies yeah. to I, I was speaking more about the visualization itself. You had showed iterations that had bars going up and down and then you know you tried an area chart that was you know on the same axis and you tried all these iterations and then um, you know that sort of moved into uh, this waterfall chart that we used for churn. Andy came back and said, well, I like the waterfall chart, but I wish it had more space between it. And so all of a sudden we were redesigning that. And then, then we went back to this table. I think it was the client. Oh, I mean, no, I mean, table. Table. Yeah. I said there was a table in there. And I just remember Jeff, you know, going, I'm really not buying the table. And, that, and and translation, he hates this, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, but this is having worked with him enough. This is Jeff for that stinks. <laughs> and, and I realized, oh, my God, I'm forgetting my own recommendation, which is, uh, you know, anytime you have, you know, the, the, what I call the gateway drug to data visualization is a highlight table, um, mm-hmm. um, a, 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 a table with colored cells in it and went oh my god he's completely right mm-hmm. and it, and and it had added a, a, a much greater usefulness to this quote-unquote requirement that the actual numbers be there i had forgotten my own recommendation yep. and, but it was yeah. jeff 
essentially saying this is terrible. I, I guess the other one that dawns on me is the uh, the speaker rating. I mean, we had so many iterations and conversations about the speaker rating where yeah. we started with a dot plot. We were talking about jitter, and then Andy did a dot uh, box plot, and then we did a unit histogram. We were just going back and forth with all these. And there charts. was one item, if you get the director's cut version of the book, um, you, you've, yeah. you've done this that, that you wanted to have like a slack dashboard well yeah so uh, <laughs> when, I, when i each of us there is a chapter that so it sounds like us, it was maybe chart types was the yeah a lot of was. the and then and there's i i wrote an entire chapter about a dashboard from a crisis text line and they're a samaritan style company based in new york who do you know counseling for people at risk of committing suicide but they do it through sms and text messages okay. And their head of BI stripped out all their dashboards, took all the things away, and just created a Slack bot that delivered the KPIs in text, right? And I'm like, this is a genius dashboard because it's in the moment, it's where people are in the flow, uh, and it's details on demand. And we, <laughs> and it's like, but it's not charts. I'm like, I know, but it's still a valid way of showing things. Okay, well, then, then, and, go and, ahead. and then, uh, you know, in the end, so, so I, I mock Steve saying, well, you made me take this dashboard out because you didn't think it was, right? But the real reason it got taken out was that it we, we felt it wasn't an applicable enough model for people to take from. You know, if, if there were just some indicators on up, down, and whether the KPIs were on target, maybe it would have got in. But this was part of the invigorating conversations. You know, each of us had to cut one of our chapters out of the book um but as the three of us we managed to take that and you know it's a much better book for it and collaboration succeeded for us and it's just so important for everybody in this field yeah well and i can hear and see even as the three of you talk about it now that, they, that this had to be energizing mm -hmm. right these Very debates so. that happened they were I want to bring us back to a really basic question, though, and forgive me because this is super, super basic, but I'm curious in how you would articulate in your view on what is a dashboard? How do you define dashboard and when should someone use a dashboard? All right. Jeff and Steve pointed to Andy on this one. I, I'm going to answer that by telling you the story of how we got to our definition in the book. Um, we started off with a fairly short definition and then we found some dashboards for this in the book and so we had to add a few more clauses to the definition then we found some more dashboards that were going in the book so we added a few more clauses and then we kept going and this, this word definition was just getting longer and longer and longer and eventually right towards the end we're like this is ridiculous so we just cut it down to 15 words uh which i can i can i can i can say what it is right. a, a visual display of information used to monitor conditions and or facilitate yeah <laughs> and or and i'm not going to explain why said, and yeah. we're laughing over the use of the two words and or facilitate understanding yeah. and and this you know this definition uh we have fairly been accused that it's an oversimplified definition i am more than prepared to, to defend the reason why it isn't but you know we looked at the the existing the main existing definition of a dashboard was from stephen few um, you know, I've, we had but, a lot of dialogue around that, yeah, right? Is, we does really it have did. to be monitored at a glance? Does it have to be on a single screen? Um, yeah. We is it interactive it or is it static? Yeah. Is it exploratory or explanatory? Well, and you can make yeah. the case for any of these. Yeah, yeah. right. And, okay. the, the, and, and in, the, in the end, the reason we went vague is because actually, in the end, we don't really care, right? <laughs> so long as you are... Care, you care about 
the goal of what you're building, that you're getting that delivered in the right format for the particular audience you're aiming right it format, to. meaning the right sort of charts the, or yeah, the, the right interactivity. Charts, yeah, the, yeah uh, all the titles. The, the, the right charts in the right medium yeah, to the, the right, right people medium. at the right time. Yeah. So, and Isn't so that what that we're trying can... to do with all of this all the time? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, um, so in the end, it's like, you know what? I don't really care about the definition. Just think about what yeah. you're doing and make sure it's the best it can be for your purpose. Now, yes, we could be accused of being oversimplified. One of the other speakers here this week is Nick Debarat, and he's he's kind of sat and looked at both our definitions and thought, well, how can you extend that a little bit and you know move away from the rigidity of Stephen Few's dashboard definition, uh, take the vagueness of our definition, which I will defend and think, okay, how can we help people think, well, can we break that down a little bit more with, say, a dashboard taxonomy? And what if we what if we talk about best practices when it comes to dashboards, right? Because you think of best practices when it comes to graphs, because I know there are very many different types of dashboards and things, but there still have to be commonalities, right? Like with graphs, you can say, well, a, a good graph has a title and it's clear what you're looking at and it has axes or some way to know what the metrics are. What are some of the best practices of dashboarding? And I should mention that I opened this question up to the Storytelling with Data community. Mm -hmm. So some of these questions are coming from there. Uh, Adolfo asked, what would be the key elements of that a good dashboard must have? So I this is going to go academic really fast, but I, I always go back to the pre-attentive attributes, you know, that the, they're the building blocks of what you're trying to do, whether it's a data viz or, or dashboard, and you, you leverage those uh, and, and that, to me, is what drives your best practice. That's your your use of color, your use of uh, size or length or position or whatever you're doing. That it's not so much about the chart type. It, it really comes down to how you're encoding the the data into that that pre-attentive attribute. I want to drill into I, that a little bit more because I I always teach about pre-attentive attributes on the explanatory side as what you use to direct attention to one thing or another. And that if you're building an exploratory dashboard, for example, that the use I guess pre-attentive attributes still come into play. But the the way you use them, I imagine, is yeah. Much like different. for example, you know, I, I think some of the same rules would apply in an exploratory way, where color draws your attention to something that you're monitoring. This is bad. I need to go look at this. I need to drill down. We we talk in our book. I don't know how many times we specify this through the book, but we talk about Ben Schneiderman's you know mantra in DataViz, where you do overview. Uh, then you have a filtering layer and then you have details on demand and your your pre-attentive attributes like color, you know, something's red, that's going to drive your overview to say, hey, I need to go look in this area right here because the complaints are really high this month. They, they weren't last month. All of a sudden, it's something I need to look at. Then that drives to your next level of filtering down to go see why my complaints are bad in this state or this category. And then depending on who the audience is and, and you know, who you're building that dashboard for, they mean, may need those details on demand to go actually do action, you know, on whatever they discovered. Uh, so that, that's one approach that I think, you know, we've kind of talked about in the book of just kind of thinking sort of overview filter details on demand and bringing that sort of data viz concept into into the dashboards. Steve, you're looking like yeah, you want to Jeff, say something. Jeff, I thought you were going to also mention, we'll often do this presentation and it's in the, the three of us have done it a bunch of times and it's in our, our workshops, but kind of the six over, overarching design tips. And I think you kind of led the charge with that as, and it's usually the next thing that comes from that is, okay, you're now about to do the, uh, build a dashboard using low tech tools, post-it notes yeah. and uh, pen and paper. Um, but the, this I'm kind of 
looking to you. I can certainly articulate them, but again, I, I um, and we all contributed to it, but I think that kind of Jeff, yeah, you spearheaded I, that. Well, a lot of those tips come from the graphic design world, frankly. I had a friend who was a professor at the University of Cincinnati. He taught in the graphic design department, and, and he looked at a number of visualizations. In fact, he, he looked at one that we had in the book and, and kind of helped through that. But, uh, you know, his approach was just classic uh, graphic design concepts, things that have been around for a very long time, like designing to a grid, you know, using negative space to give your dashboard uh, room to breathe. Um, these these large numbers that we were using on the dashboards that that Steve came up with, uh, you know, the term bands that have kind of taken over and um, have become kind of the you know the big term. ass numbers. Big yeah, ass and numbers. I am I am. This is me right now saying I came up with that term. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and color color is probably the biggest one. I, I mean, for me, if I had to pick one thing, just one thing to help people in data viz, it'd probably be color. And how should people use color in a dashboard? You know what I've I've, I've done recently with my students because even after. I, I literally talk about color in every single class and by the final projects I'm still seeing mistakes with it at this point I just tell them you know start without color just start yeah. with no color Grayscale. at all so that you're not making the mistake to that you have to fix and should know? people start black and white should they yeah, start grayscale or just one color or okay. a single you know single color or black and white perfect right and then add color with meaning with purpose as opposed to they just started with the default colors and now they have to remember oh i used blue over here for one thing but now blue over here means something else and they use it differently or they use it in the wrong context uh, or too much of it yeah well and i, I know you cover this in in your, your workshops you have a wonderful slide and you know you say colorful is a wonderful goal for a party, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe less so in your dashboards. And 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 if you look at the dashboards in the book, they're almost entirely two, three colors. Mm -hmm. And I think one, uh, which is probably one of the more cluttered and um, over the top ones, has I think four. And this is where I, you know, I'm going academic again, but now we're back to the pre-attentive attributes, right? It's going to say, well, this one, that's a very, very strong pre-attentive attribute that if something is red, I'm, my eye is going to go right to that. And if something is a really big number, my eye is going to go right to that. And so it's, it's leveraging those things in a way to draw attention to the user, you know, to say, hey, go look at this. Mm. How about, do you have any tips for, I know a lot of people who are designing dashboards for multiple different stakeholders, multiple audiences, where the same dashboard is going to a lot of different people who may be looking for different things or using it in different ways. Uh, Michael from the community asks, you know, how do you design or what should you be thinking about when you're designing a dashboard for multiple audiences? Design multiple dashboards. Ah. I'm, I've got to say, I, I, I pretty much agree with Andy mm -hmm. on that one. How do you decide, okay, then how do you decide when it should be a different dashboard versus adding more to the same? Or, or may I, Andy? Mm -hmm. Just for a second. Or it's the, the, I bring up the dashboard and let's say the three, four things I see on it, maybe two of them are the same as what Andy sees. And maybe two of them are the same as what Jeff sees, or the level of detail, Meaning you come in with a or the capability. Lens, so you know that that maybe there are some things that are common. Among, let's say there are three different audiences for it, but and 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 you have something which is oh because Andy's looking at it and he's part of this group. This is what's going to be highlighted because that's what's important to Andy and his group. Mm -hmm. So it may be what gets more focus. It may be that the level of detail, the chart, or everything. But as it, so you may be able to do it in one container. Okay. But it is a different collection of views for different. Yeah. One audiences. container that people can then use so, to yeah. get to. Right. Their so so Andy and I are seeing different, and Jeff, we're seeing different things. 
so there may be some commonality, but you're not going to have, uh, you know, because my gosh, if you've got seven, eight things, one is you got eight things on the thing, you're in trouble, probably. And two, if I only care about three of them, there, then there's tons of noise and not much signal. I'll yeah. give a little more nuanced answer to that. I, I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna use Andy's classic line. It depends, and and I think depending on the scenario, what you're talking about, it could be in a single view, or you might just be your audiences might vary so much that you do need two different views. So, in an example, if I'm if you have an executive team, they generally only need an overview of something, you know, and they they just want the top level. So they they may not need the filters or detail on demand. Where you move into say uh, my VP of operations, my VP of operations is at the executive level, but she also does all the work underneath her in her group for all the things that she needs. So I think in that scenario, she needs a display that does have the overview, but then she also needs to be able to change the view and say, well, what about this department or what about that department or how's this one doing? And so she needs something that, uh, you know, collapsible menu could work with filters where, you know, you're not taking up dashboard space to do it. Uh, we have a couple examples in our, our book with that, but a collapsible menu where you could filter those things out and then change the view and come back to the view depending on who that user is. And you could even get really technical and change the view based on the mm -hmm. user logging in, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the user logs in and says, oh, I'm in the East region. So they see the same view of the dashboard based on the East, but somebody else logs in, they have the exact same dashboard and it's it's viewing the West. The, I, I, I'm fascinated about what might happen in, in the next five years, right? Obviously I'm very familiar with Tableau and the features we add to Tableau. You, you know, you can add buttons, you can navigate to different places, or you can create a navigation experience within a single dashboard that we call it a dashboard. But hand quote, air quotes don't come I'm, across. I'm air, quotes. So I'm, I'm air quoting dashboard because I just wonder if the concept of dashboard is going to get even further complicated, right? Because I've said design multiple dashboards, but actually, you know, if you come to this data application concept with a UX and a full user experience concept, you might be building a dashboard, a, a, no, a data application, you know, and a, you know, we would call that a dashboard within the Tableau paradigm, but it really, it, 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 I just feel like it's going to blow the paradigm apart. Yeah, it well, has because, navigation, yeah. it has collapsible yeah. containers, yeah. you know, you're doing things that yeah. feel like a web app all of a sudden. Yeah. That it's, so that way yeah. you're designing it for multiple stakeholders. But well, and this idea of logging in and it knows who you are, mm. there could be a different dashboard for every person, yeah. right? Which it, is crazy when you think Well, that. that's kind of what the, the, the uh, something like the course metrics dashboard would be or the speaker ratings dashboard. You log in and you're seeing you. Yeah. Um, you're the focus of it, which is another huge part of my spiel of, of how do you somehow insert the stakeholder into the dashboard and make the dashboard as much about him or her yep. or um, as possible. And so, yeah, you log in and this thing knows who you are and you're going to see something that's catered. We do that. So when they log in, we have a homegrown application. Uh, and when they log into that application, uh, they, they see that personal dashboard. So the operations team sees the operations dashboard. Another team sees a different dashboard. And I know a lot of companies are using that technique. 
And what about, so shifting gears a bit, one of the common challenges that I see is organizations, they have a lot of data. They recognize they have a lot of data they need to do something with and think that the dashboarding tool is going to be the answer, whether it be Tableau or Power BI, right? That they think getting this tool in there is going to solve all of their problems. What can organizations do before they invest in a tool to help set them up for success? That, um I've had a slide in my presentation decks for years saying technology is not the problem, it's the business culture. Uh, this week at conference, you know, our opening keynote was all about data culture. The big recognition that literally the tool will actually solve not a great deal of the organizational challenge. You know, you've got to think about data literacy uh, because if you've got thousands of people, how many of them actually can even understand a bar chart, right? A bar chart or, or a pie chart or whatever chart they're looking at, right? You can't make an assumption that they know what they're looking at. Then you've got to think about agility, right? You know, we're talking about dashboard application development. The, you know, you, you can say this is the business question today. You might have a whole new business question tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. So you've got to, have, you've got to be set up cross-functional teams for agility. Uh, then there's that balance of security and governance, uh, so you've got to, that's a really difficult thing to crack. But um, yeah, the, the whole concept of a data culture is massively important. And how does someone assess that? Uh, well, we have the Tableau Blueprint, which is a, which is a way companies can uh, do that. But essentially the Blueprint is all about saying, we are going to look at our business needs. We're going to measure our uh the skills of the the people in the organization and we're going to come up with ways of creating internal communities to kind of create a, a tidal wave of enthusiasm you need to get executive buy-in uh if you don't get executive buy-in for a transformational sort of data culture that probably won't succeed and how long would you so if an organization reflects on themselves they say okay we may not be in the right space yet given where we're at culturally mm -hmm. organizationally and you know say they use the tableau blueprint how long of a process is it from there to getting to the point where it makes sense to invest in the tools oh to invest in the tools hmm good question <laughs> That's a I just, good question. I found it interesting yeah. you said that you started the question by saying they have the data and I find a lot of times they don't. They have they have databases or they have things yes, that house data, but there's a huge step to get that organized in a way to even get that ready for a tool. And so that that to me is a challenge I see, you know, quite often that people are running businesses on, you know, Excel spreadsheets as databases or access databases or, you know, things, even a SQL server. They, they have just so many that, that they don't have a single source of truth or they don't have it together in a way that whatever tool you were to bring in and layer on top you're going to get bad answers because the data isn't structured in a way to answer your business question. So to me, you sort of have the data structure that you have to do first and get that data in a way that it can answer the business questions. And then you can sort of layer on the tool. The other thing I would add in there is that I, I do think the tool can solve a couple things. As an example of how we use Tableau in our organization, you know, I have IT folks that could develop in any language, .NET or, you know, very much could go into D3 and, and program beautiful visualizations. 
they can't program and iterate fast enough for the business to generate those things. So trying to get visualizations done quickly to explore the data, that's where I think a, a good tool, and I'm not saying it has to be Tableau, but it needs to be a tool that you can create fast visualizations, almost like you know your talk about sketching things on paper. They need to be able to do that on the screen as well. I need yep. to be able to, okay, what about this way? Iterate. No, what about that way? What about filtering it like this and getting insights into the data? And then, you know, that later, any tool can produce a, a finished visualization. They could go to a programming language and program it in D3 if they needed to. Okay, so Andy says you need the right culture. Jeff says you've got to have the right data structure. Steve, anything you'd add to that? Just, it's not about the tool. It's what you do with the tool. Yes. All right. We could talk for so much longer, and mm -hmm. I feel like we're going to have to have a round two of this at some point because I have very many uh, questions in my head and <laughs> written down on the paper in front of me that we're not going to have time to get to because you all have to run. This has been amazing. I'd love to hear what tips you have to leave folks who are listening with. Uh, top tip in 30 seconds or less. Andy? Um, get involved in a community whatever tool or product or technology you are using. Find like-minded people and dive in and iterate and collaborate because you will help others with your skill set and you will learn a huge amount from them. Fantastic. I'd say start simple with your visualizations. Uh, don't 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 try to create these crazy complex visualizations mm -hmm. out of the gate, especially in a in a business environment where people just need answers quickly. So try to get the clarity of the answer is simple. Don't be intimidated. You can get good at this mm. stuff. Um, I, I show some of my early work in workshops, and it's and it's just awful. Um, and so it is possible to learn and get good at this stuff. And 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 there are people, community is ridiculously generous that will help you get there. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Thanks very much for taking the time during this busy Tableau conference to talk with me. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank and to you. those listening, if you haven't already, be sure to check out the Big Book of Dashboards. I'll also list social media and websites in the show notes. You can follow Steve, Andy, and Jeff's work. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, comments.